0: So to those agents who have that kind of mentality, my advice to you, and this is what I've been doing with my team right now, is be involved with the community. Find a way for people to know that you care about the community. It's not always about real estate. okay? Because sometimes you have this notion, in order for people to know you, you need to talk about real estate. No, you're wrong. You have to be a human being.
1: You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser. Listen in as I interview leaders in our industry, getting their stories and their journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 235 of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, we're headed to the heartland. We're headed to Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, to be more specific. And we're going to be talking to Joseph McSyside of Better Homes and Garden, actually Vice President Business Development with Better Homes and Garden in St. Louis. Joseph is an amazing guy. Those of you that know him, know him to be very, very energetic, very out there, very engaged. And I can't wait for you to hear Joseph's story. Joseph, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi there. I'm very, very blessed and excited to be part of your podcast. Thank you.
1: Oh, it's been, you know, like I should have had John here a while ago um, because your story is amazing. And I had the opportunity and we've been ambassadors a few times with Inman and I've had the opportunity to sit and chat with you. I love your story. It's a great story about um, what's possible. And I think that's that's what we want to talk about. Now, you were born in the Philippines. How old were you when you when you decided to come to the United States?
0: I was born and raised in the Philippines and I've been here in the U.S. for um, for 14 years now. I was twenty five years old when i when I arrived here in the
1: here in the u s, so what were you doing in the Philippines before you came over here? And I always I want to get this when I have somebody who's from another country. Just give me a favorite memory, you know, growing up there. What's something you' look back on? And you just go, you know, you miss,
0: okay. so you'll you'll laugh at this because one of my best times when I was in the Philippines was when I was in college. I love college because here's the thing. In the Philippines, we valued education a lot. If you did not finish college, you will have a hard time finding even a sales position, like in, in a, at a department store. You will have a hard time finding a job. So education is a very, very important. You need to finish college. You need to have a diploma. And that was one of the best times of my life. I took up computer science first, for college, but I was really bad in math. I said, oh my God, calculus, physics, are you kidding me? There's no way. So I needed to switch um, courses. So I took up broadcasting journalism to avoid all the math subjects. And because (laughs) of that, okay, early in my, uh, like during my first year in college, I became friends immediately with graduating students. You know, students who are graduating college because I did everything backwards. I took subjects that are like way ahead of me. And I was allowed to do that in the Philippines.
1: Yeah, so that gets you a place where you're 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 already kind of thinking ahead about what you're gonna be doing. Was it gonna be a career in in journalism? Is that what you're thinking about while you're in school? Yes, absolutely. Because Philippines
0: is we're a little bit westernized. Okay, we at one time. Philippines was very well known to be one of the top call center hubs in the world, together with India, because we speak English very well. We're so Westernized, and I, and during that time, call centers were booming. JP Morgan Chase, their their uh, their biggest operation, it was in the Philippines. You're talking about auto loan mortgages, all in the Philippines. Wow. And I actually worked for them before I left the Philippines. But anyway, th- that's one of the exciting things about the Philippines. So th- does
1: that make the transition to the U.S. easier?
0: It was easier. I was I was blessed that, you know, for some reason I didn't know, I had no idea what my mother was thinking when I was born. But English was my first language. Wow. Okay, growing up. However, when I turned three years old or four years old, I learned how to speak Filipino or our native uh, language Tagalog because mm-hmm. one of our our maid in the Philippines yeah we 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 can afford to have maids over there and she started watching Filipino uh, soap operas or dramas and I learned I, I I learned the language you know through that
1: yeah so it's almost like watching a telenovela here you know and yeah. picking up Spanish <laughs> I know people exactly. who've done that
0: exactly exactly exactly
1: yeah that's great yeah. I grew up in San Diego and San Diego has a, a a large Filipino population. When you moved here, you ended up in Missouri and I'm just, I got to <laughs> ask you a question. <laughs> I don't think, is it, is there a big Filipino population in Missouri? It wasn't, I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm just going to uh, guess. No,
0: no, no, we are, we are, we are super minority here, here, here in Missouri, in the state of Missouri, but micro, but we're a lot way smaller in the very small town where we started, where I started. It's called Cape Girardeau, okay. And 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 I will never forget when I was brand spanking new uh, on our way to Cape Girardo. There was this alo- another small town that uh, we lived in. It's it's called Sykeston, Missouri, and I, I think population ten thousand or eleven thousand. My very first day, our very first day at our, at our new apartment, so I was driving a small, we were driving a small Suzuki. That was our very first car in America. Small Suzuki, it, the color was striking blue, bright blue. Okay. On our way to our apartment, a one-bedroom apartment, $300 a month in rent, by the way. Wow. Very small. As soon as I uh, pulled up at the parking lot, someone shot our car with a pellet gun. One of our neighbors, and and he was yelling, "Nobody's going to be driving an Asian car here. An Asian car here." And I said, "Oh my God!" So the following day, I had no choice but to buy a Denali. Does it get more American than that, right? So, <laughs> okay. No way I'm going to be shot again. I'm driving a GMC General Motors. Like what I said earlier, Philippines is such a westernized country. When when I, when I was in the Philippines, my view of America. It was like New York, Chicago, LA, tall buildings. But we started a very small town with nothing. It's 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 like cotton fields. Right. You know, it's a farmland. And I was cult- I was culture shocked, actually, in, to be yeah. to be honest. And I said, Okay, what is what is going on here? But you know what? It is what it is. We're we're in America. This is this is the land of the free and home of the brave, the best country in the world. What was your first job here in the States? Technically my first job was in the healthcare field, healthcare industry. So my job was to, I was a business development manager of this healthcare company. My job was to recruit physical, occupational, and speech therapists nationally and internationally. Meaning I brought physical physical therapists, occupational and speech therapists from India, China, Philippines. We brought them here to Missouri because there was one point that there was a huge shortage of physical therapists in the state of Missouri. And then nationally, I was also recruiting therapists from different states, different cities. And I traveled the entire Missouri and the entire state of Illinois to offer rehab services to all nursing homes and hospitals. So we're in the contract therapy. I was like a headhunter.
1: Somehow you, we have to get you close to the world of real estate. So how does there's gotta be a there's always a story, right? So I want your story for how you fell into that or made that decision.
0: Sure. So when, when we moved to to Cape Girardeau from from Sykeston, I was a stay-at-home dad for for two full years. Okay, stay at home dad. And when I accepted the job in the healthcare field, I was based six hours away from home. And I only saw my son once a week if 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 I get if I got lucky, you know, because because of the drive, it's it's not like worth it, and when I need to come back again the following day. So right. essentially, you know it, it it was so hard because during that time, I mean, the healthcare industry was booming. and and uh, I, I was really, really busy. However, Gino, my eight year he's eight years old now. He woke up one day and said, daddy, don't go to work anymore. So I said, okay, who's this two-year-old asking me not to work anymore? Oh, my God, he's telling me this. And that hit me big time. So I told myself, you know what? I want to be in real estate. I think I can make this happen. So I called my family. I called my friends. And there was one common theme that all of them told me. They said, Joseph, there's no way. You are a super minority here in Cape Girardeau. You're, you're going to be the only Asian realtor. There's no Asian realtor here. You're, you're going to be the, the only Filipino realtor. Nobody knows you, and you don't know anyone. There's no way for you to be successful. I mean, quit it. I mean, real estate, it's, it's, it's a business. You're not a business-minded person. You're not an entrepreneur. Why don't you just get a regular job? And that, and that challenged me. I said, whoa, my own family don't trust me. My own family did not believe in me. This is craziness. So we know what I did? I was so eager to prove that they were wrong. Okay, I found um, a, a real estate school in St. Louis, which is two hours away from Cape Girardeau. And there was a crash course. Like In one week, I'm done. I was done on on the 48 hours in one week. And then add another two days, I was done for the 24 hours. And then I took the test the following day. Of course, when I took the test the following day, I passed the nationals, but I failed the state. (laughs) I failed the state because there were too much math questions. I said, oh, my God, this is where math is coming into play. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that, that's common for people. I, I know,
0: I know, yeah. and unfortunately for me. And then when I read the questions about insurance, well, that's the reason why you need to have an insurance agent. And then question about the lender, that's the reason why you need to have a lender. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I, I studied hard and and re uh, I took the test again and I passed. And as soon as I got my my real estate license, I was so excited. So I told my family for, first of all, I apologized to them. I said, please. Don't kill me, but I will never eat at home for the first six months. For the first six months, I will dine out. I will. I went to the exact same Starbucks, exact same diner, breakfast, lunch, dinner to prove to everyone that I have a shot in this business, that people will know about me. I love that strategy. You were doing that strictly to meet people. Strictly to meet people. And so, so long story short, so I did that for, for the first six months. And long story short, on my first full year in real estate, I was able to help 35 families buy and sell homes. and, and, and here, here, But here's the most important part. Out of the 35 people, out of the 35 families, 29 were bartenders and servers. That was the most special part because these bartenders and servers, they are the ones who always, oh, it's you again. How are you? So I became friends with all of them and back then they had this notion that a server who's only earning very little like maybe $3 per hour and then they're earning from tips that it's so hard for them to prove that they have the income you know to be a first time home buyer. Okay but the good the good thing about me You know that I took my real estate classes in St. Louis, which was in a bigger city. I I found out immediately that there are a lot of banks over there. That was my notion. If it's a bigger city, there are more banks. If there are more banks, they're more competitive. They will help more people. Now, the lenders in Cape Girardeau back then they don't approve anyone who has a credit score of below 650. And in St. Louis, they approve first-time home buyers with a low credit score as low as 580, as long as you have the income to support it. So now because of that, I was able to help 29 bartenders and servers. They called me the magic man. Okay. Here's the magic guy. You need to call this guy. He's going to, he's going to help you achieve, help you achieve your American dream of home ownership. Okay. On my second year, every time I entered the restaurant, everyone would yell, all the servers and bartenders, they would yell the best realtor in town is here. And And because of my last name, I have a weird last name. People always butcher it, you know, Maksaysay. And they will always say, who's this guy? We've never heard of this guy. And I I introduced myself, oh, Joseph Maksaysay. So they love butchering my name. And there was one lady who said, I'm just going to start calling you Megasauce. (laughs) Joseph (laughs) Maksaysay is just just too much. So because of that, because of that relationship with each and every restaurant that I uh, went to, I became friends with the general managers, the owners of the restaurants. So now, I was able to attract a little bit of the luxury market because I became friends with them. And you know, now it's it became business to business relationship. All of my meetings were held in you know cafes, diners, and and restaurants.
1: I don't know if you know this, but I've, in the two hundred plus episodes I've done here, the number one profession that realtors have had before they were a realtor was bartender slash server. And so that's interesting to me that that's where you found this niche. But I wonder if you have you ever been able to recruit someone that was in that field to become a realtor as well?
0: Bill, oh, yeah. Okay. You just, I don't know if you, uh, you scanned my brain today. My very first buyer's agent was my client who was a bartender.
1: Think about what they do. They help people. They build relationships with people. They solve their problems. <laughs> they, they sometimes have to listen to be a psychologist like a realtor has to, right? All that stuff. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Were you yeah. uh, 30, 35 transactions your first year? That's, you know, that's not normal, right? I, I knew that it was not
0: normal when when my colleague, okay, because I started, you know, I started Cape a small town, but I worked I, I worked with the the biggest real estate company in Cape Girardeau, which was realty okay. executives. Okay, I I love the I love my brokers over there. They are amazing. They were amazing. I learned a lot from them. I learned how to measure a house, you know, doing it the old school way, you know, because because of my because of my broker. He's he he was amazing. However, one of my colleagues over there, my very first day at work, so she gave me an advice. And her advice to me was, you need to do a lot of floor duties. Floor call. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. Oh, five minutes in, I said, no, this is not happening. I'm, I mean, I'm going to die. There is just no way. How could someone be successful, you know, waiting for the phone to ring? If this is going to be my business model, then I'm going to go bankrupt. This is just not going to happen. I mean, Bill, you, you've met me, you know, my personality, I need to be out there. You know, I always, and one thing I love about Brian Buffini before me knowing Brian Buffini, my business model was to be the mayor of your town. And, and, and then when, when I saw his work, when I heard him spoke for the first time, I said, oh my God, this is my spirit animal, you know? So, yeah, so that's, that's how everything started there.
1: When did uh, the idea of a team take over for you?
0: On my second year in Cape Girardeau, I was able to help 120 families buy and sell homes from 35 to 120. And on my second year, I was already involved. Again, I did everything backwards. Before I became involved locally in my local association, I became involved in the state first, state association. Someone asked me, I was voluntold To join YPN, the Young Professionals Network. The first week that I got my uh, my license before meeting the local agents, I immediately attended the very first, my very first business conference for the state. Wow. Yeah. And I met a ton of agents over there that I asked questions immediately. I said, okay, how did you become successful? I want to learn from you. And they were like, okay, who are you why are you asking this question? And what I got from that conference, I took all of the best practices from all of the agents that I spoke with. And I made it my own model when I came back to Cape Girardeau. But, you know, being part of the Young Professionals Network and being part of, uh, of the State Association, being involved, you know, helped me immediately you know, be, be, be successful in this business because I met a lot of team leaders, okay? And that's when I realized how small Cave Girardeau was. I said, okay, I'm licensed in the state of Missouri. I already helped 35 families in my first year, 120 families in my second year. There's nothing to prove in Cave Girardeau. If I'm going to have a headache, I want to have a bigger headache. I want to go. I want to be in a bigger city. So here, here comes again all the white noise. My family. And my friends. Some friends in St. Louis that I met. Realtor friends. They said, Joseph, you don't know St. Louis. There's no way you're going to be successful. It's so different. Cape Girardeau is a small town. St. Louis is a bigger town. Cape Girardeau, the realtors. Back then, we had 300 members. Now, now I'm going in a territory that has 14,000 members. But Joseph you're gonna have a headache. I said, fine, I wanna have a headache. So all of them kept on telling me, you don't know the market, you don't know the market, you don't know the market. So I said, you know what? Let me teach these people a lesson. You know what I did, Bill? I started attending open houses. For two straight weeks, I attended open houses. And then I recruited the agents, the agents who were hosting the open houses because I needed someone to know the market. And when they joined my team, I formed the the impact team immediately. And I switched brokerage. I switched to Keller Williams from Realty Executives to Keller Williams. Because Keller Williams had the best training when it comes to teams. They embraced the team model. And, you know, their training is the best. That's why I, I picked them. No one recruited me to join Keller Williams, just FYI. When I was recruiting these agents who were hosting the open houses, I told them, okay, we're all switching to Keller Williams. And they even asked me, Joseph, hold on, hold on a second. You've only been in the business for two years. We've been in the business longer than you. And why are we listening to you again? And I told them, because I drew a small square. This small square is your vision. And I drew a bigger square. And this is my vision for all of us. We combine all our visions. We're going to have a bigger vision. So for some reason they believed in me and they uh, they they bought what I was trying to sell, and we all switched to Keller Williams. One of the reasons also why I decided to form a team because in my second year there was a point that I was attending business conferences and I had twenty listings and twenty buyers. My phone was ringing nonstop, and I told me Joseph. I told myself, Joseph, you're not Superman anymore. There's no such thing as Superman. You know, majority of the successful agents they were able to leverage immediately in their young careers. So if they were able to do this, you need to be able to do that again. And I hope you ask me, who was my first hire? <laughs> let me
1: let me uh, let me think. Um, Joseph, you know building a team, I think it's critical <laughs> to uh, to do it the right way. So who was your first hire? I did not follow
0: the, the conventional wisdom.
1: So the conventional wisdom from what I've heard from everybody is it's an admin. Correct. You didn't go that route. Yeah.
0: And, and then the second choice, the second choice conventional wisdom would be a, a transaction coordinator. Right. I did not do that as well. Okay. And then now a rebel, what he's going to do is that hire a buyer's agent. Okay. But, but I did not do that as well. Okay. My first hire was a graphic designer nice you went marketing i went marketing i went marketing and this is one of the reasons why you know when when um, uh, some of the agents when i first started in the business some hated me because they were telling me joseph you're you're marketing it's all self-promotion and i was laughing deep inside every time every time they they tell me that joseph it's self-promotion <laughs> i was like who else am i going to promote I am my own business. Have you seen Coca-Cola promoted Pepsi? There's just no way. Why would Coke promote Pepsi? And the reason why I focus in marketing and, and graphic design was I need to make sure that the general public knew who I was. I need to make sure that they knew that I was doing something. One of the worst things that a new agent would do is if they're a secret agent. You may be good at building relationships. Yes, pe- everyone loves you, but you're a secret agent. No one knows what you do. It's not going to work. Or you're very good at marketing yourself, but your character suck big time. No one wants to work with you. It's not going to work. So they need to be married together. So I was focused on that one. There were a lot of growing pains because I, I was focused on on marketing and, and building building up the team. Because we, we always had this saying, right? You know, um, fake it until you make it. You know but my mentality was was different my mentality back then was you'll laugh at this you know what i have a master's degree i was telling that to myself i have a master's degree in failure i failed a lot i i'm fearless okay so if i fail great We're, i'm gonna make sure that i fail fast i'll fail forward and i'm gonna learn from it and then after a graphic designer transaction coordinator was the next hire
1: I was going to say that has to come in quickly because if you're going to sell more houses than, 100, 120, hundred and twenty. I'm sorry. Let me let me rephrase that. Help more families. I think that's the critical critical distinction you've made early in this conversation. You don't do transactions. You help people.
0: I help people. And yeah. on and on that note. And on that note, Bill, when because uh, because when I moved to St. Louis, when I expanded my business over there, so I was like the new kid on the block. And I was invited to attend. I was part of a panel. It was called um, a top agent or top rookie panel. So I was the only agent who came from Cape Girardeau. So they asked us how many transactions in their first year. So all of the other agents who were from St. Louis, a bigger uh, uh, market, okay, average sales price, bigger. So three of them was like, oh, 10 transactions, 10 million. The other ones like five transactions, 3 million. And I said, oh, my God, I work too much. I had 35 transactions, 5 million. Average sales price, 125 to 150, right? Right. And and that also gave me the motivation. I said, you know what? If I do this right in St. Louis, average sales price much higher. You know, there's enough business for everyone. There are 14,000 agents, which is basically dominated by female realtors as well. You know that that's that's the case in uh, that's the case in St. Louis, and I was telling myself, well, I'm crazy enough, and I have a crazy name, so I should be able to, you know, stand out a little because I, I I work I work a lot, you know I I don't get tired I love what I do so much that the problem is if you love what you do so much you don't feel like you're working, if you don't feel like you're working you don't get tired if you don't get tired you don't stop. And, and one, of the, one of my biggest mistakes when I started in this business is that, you know, there was a reason why I left my other job. And that's to spend more time with my son. Okay. My very first mistake in this business is that I got addicted to success. And I have no problems admitting that. I got addicted to success on my second year in the business. Because from, from, uh, from being nobody, from being no one. From being a stay-at-home dad for two years, earning $0 to earning six-figure income instantly, being well-known instantly. It's, it's, it was addicting, but I needed, I needed to learn that the hard way. You know I, I got all my awards, okay, my awards okay, where's my son? my son's like, well, it's two hours away from me right It's two hours away from me so i i need I need to spend more time with my son and and actually that's that's also one of the reasons why um from Keller Williams, I don't know if you knew this from Keller williams I, I switched to uh Sotheby's
1: I know I know about where you're at now. This is
0: a very good thing to share mm-hmm. because with Keller Williams, I formed seven expansion teams. Okay, I had an expansion team in the Philippines. I had an expansion team in Tampa. I had an expansion team in Orange Beach, Alabama. I had an expansion team in, uh, I had an expansion team in Cape Girardeau. I switched it. I flipped it. Okay. However, so my clever son again. So there was one day he said, Daddy, I'm enrolling in hockey, baseball, basketball, soccer. And he was seven years old back then. He said, Daddy, it's about time. I said, what do you mean? Gino? you know? It's about time. You, you need to attend my, my sports, my games. So having a team of 20 agents when I was at Keller Williams, okay, just imagine that they're doing their own business. I still have my own business. That's very lucrative. That's good money. That was good money. So in order for me to attend all of Gino's games and work less I need to increase my average sales price drastically. And in order for me to achieve that, I needed to join the top luxury company in St. Louis, which was Sotheby's.
1: You have changed your business mix quite a bit. I kind of did a little digging and saw some of your listings. (laughs) And they tend to to be more in that 700 to a million range. You're kind of, that's your focus.
0: So yes, that's what I did. So when I joined Sotheby's, the impact team became the impact team international. Awesome. Because I I told myself, you know what? I need to take advantage of my CIPS designation. I need to take advantage of the reach of Sotheby's internationally when it comes to luxury homes. So the very first 10 weeks with Sotheby's, I hosted, you won't believe this, 40 open houses, one man show. 40 open houses in 10 weeks. That was two open. That's two open houses on a Sunday and two open houses on a Saturday, 11 to 1 and 2 to 4. And I was able to have relationships with 25 luxury clients immediately. But you know what? The beauty about life is that life is full of surprises. Because I was really happy with Sotheby's. The reason why I said life's full of surprises because because of my rise, you know, the Impact of International and you know, I became a solo, kind of solo agent again, even though I called myself a team because I, read, I had a TC. You know, I was invited again to attend, uh, you know, all of these panels and, you know, became the speaker. But I was invited to attend this rocks uh, top agent panel. It's, it's called the Breakfast Collaborative. So I was the only Sotheby's agent on that panel. There was one Keller Williams agent. There was one commercial agent. And the person beside me, I've never met this person before. Her name was Laura Davis. She's the owner of Better Homes and Gardens Preferred Properties here in St. Louis. After the event, I was doing my thing, you know, mingling with other people, talking to people, doing my rounds. And she was still there an hour later. She was still there. And then I approached her and said, hi, Laura, how are you? And she said, well, I would love to have coffee with you. And I said, you know what? I would love that because I said – of all, I really, I really found you interesting. I love your answers during the panel, and you are. And she was the oldest of everyone, you know. But she is very, very knowledgeable. So we went to Starbucks a couple of days later. Man, if if I thought that I was the best recruiter ever, <laughs> the moment we sat down, she offered me a vice president position for the brand, Better Homes and Gardens. I said yes to her because I felt, I've never met a broker who's very hands-on and yet will allow you to be yourself. Because sometimes when it comes to the traditional brokerage, they always say, oh, oh, Joseph, you're marketing, you're so in your face. I mean, that's not gonna fly with traditional brokerages. But we had an understanding that she and I complement each other. When it comes to the experience part with compliance and things like that, she will always have my back. When it comes to being creative and growing the company, attracting talents, she trusts me 100%. So from 30 plus agents, now we're close to 50 agents or even more than 50 by now, right now. And I've only been with Better Homes and Gardens for seven or eight months. And she allowed me to form my own team. She trusted me. And I, I trusted her. So there's that mutual respect. And I actually call her mom because she's like my female version. You should meet her. If you meet her, oh my God. She's she's half Italian, half Spanish. And I'm Filipino. Oh my God. I mean, that's a perfect deadly combination there. <laughs> I
1: love that. I'm I'm taking way too much of your time. And we're recording this on a uh, on a weekend. So that's important for you. And so I wanna I wanna ask you this question though. We are, we're right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice? I mean, what are you doing? Cause you have a, you have a, like you said, your marketing is very uh, straightforward out there. You know, you yourself, I've, I've seen you show up. It, it could be a bow tie and some kind of bright, a lot of fun in a suit. You you like to, you know, kind of stand out. How do you, how, how are you handling things right now? That is, that is a very,
0: very good question to, to others. I mean, sometimes it's it's hard to answer that question depending where you are. We're very lucky here in Missouri that real estate is still considered essential. Basically, believe it or not, what I'm doing right now is the exact same thing that what I've been doing before, except for the fact that I increased more virtual showings, Mm -hmm. virtual open houses. But as far as doing videos, I was already doing that before. You you have two types of people, okay? People who will embrace the pandemic or people who will complain and it's the end of the world as they know it. And and this is what I always preach. I said, okay, you don't have a buyer right now because your clients, they they don't want to see properties. They want to be safe. You don't have a listing right now, so there's really nothing to feature, okay? I'm just giving you an example of of the negative uh, mindsets of, of other agents. So to those agents who have that kind of mentality, my advice to you, and this is what I've been doing with my team right now, is be involved with the community. Find a way for people to know that you care about the community. It's not always about real estate, okay? Because sometimes you have this notion in order for people to know you, you need to talk about real estate. No, you're wrong. You have to be a human being. So last week, okay, we started our very first, we, we, we formed this program. It's called Make an Impact One Plate at a Time. We partnered with um, a lot of restaurants. And then we feed the front lines. So Friday, last Friday, we fed uh, 50 nurses and respiratory therapists. And not only we were able to feed them, but we were also able to help the restaurants who are struggling right now. So So we're helping two causes right now. Okay. And guess what? On our flyer, you will never see... Better homes and gardens. Okay. You will never see the Impact Team International. You will see my logo, The Lion. It's on the plate. You know, just because I love the lion. But it's it's all about, you know, caring about your community and folk you, you know, be, being being a human being. That's that's the bottom line. Because, like what I said earlier, okay, there will always be people who say, who will say, well, Joseph, I'm not really an outgoing person. I'm not going to talk to anyone. Well, I'm sorry, but you're in the wrong business. If, if you want to be in real estate, which number one is a service industry, number two, okay, number two, it's all about relationships. This is a relationship business. This is a people business, whether
1: you like it or not. Joseph, I've had you here way over time, and I, I you. this has been great. I'm going to wrap this up with the same question I've asked every guest. Um, so, so my question is this. What one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started?
0: Um, my, my advice is to be unapologetically you. Okay, because your vibe will attract your tribe. There's a lot of business to be had. One One of many mistakes that new agents do is that... They have a lot of great ideas, but they won't spit it out. They won't do it because they're so scared that their old broker won't support them because it might their idea might sound crazy. No, I mean, you are your own business. Yes, you are under a brokership, okay? You're, you're under a brokerage. You're under a company, you're working with the company. But at the end of the day, you are responsible for your success. Your vibe will always attract your tribe. And you, you, there's no way you, you can make everyone happy either. And you just have to live with that. You need to be happy with that. So that's, that's my that's my advice there. Because once you master that, once you master being unapologetically you, it's going to be easier. The road ahead will be easier because you will be fearless. You won't, you won't be afraid to take up a master's degree in failure just like what I did. I was so good at it.
1: Joseph, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: The easiest way, obviously, is on uh, social media. You know, Facebook, I am the one and only Joseph Magsaysay over there. Instagram, the thejosephmagsaysay. Twitter, the guy theguymagsaysay. Or in, if you want to call me directly or text me, it's 314-337-337. Four four one three.
1: Joseph, I can't thank you enough. I look, I'll never forget the first time that you and I met. Um, you really approached me in a way that I felt like we'd known each other for a decade, and so it's very obvious to me why you've had such success, continued success. I love what you're doing, and uh, hopefully, I'll see you virtually at Inman in <laughs> and then June, and hopefully, maybe in New York next next winter.
0: So, Bill, I want to thank you for for thinking of me okay you obviously you're you're one of the most well known human beings in the industry and to be able to be part of your program is such a huge honor for me and if i was not gung ho in attending all of these conferences when people attend invited me i would have not met you no, I, I, was, I was lucky enough that, you know, I had mentors who, oh, you need to attend Inman. Oh, you need to attend Realtor.com. And then I, I became, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but I instantly became, accidentally became um, a national speaker. The title of my speaking engagement was, is, and will always be Food
1: to Fortune. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Joseph, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, my
0: friend. Thank you. You're awesome.
1: Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. To leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to com and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released.